The following is a rebroadcast of an episode of Bizarre Albums from June 2020. Tony is still on tour, but we'll be back with a new episode next week. For now, please enjoy a stinking rerun. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Crispin Glover's The Big Problem Does Not Equal the Solution, The Solution Equals Let It Be, from 1989. King Henry V and his army are surrounded by the enemy. His men are weary and dispirited. It has been an unpopular war, and the men want to quit fighting and return to their homes. But the French are on all sides, outnumbering the English by many. That, of course, is King Henry V from William Shatner's 1968 album, The Transformed Man. That was featured on last week's episode. Henry V is a historical play by William Shakespeare, believed to have been written around 1599. It's the story of King Henry V of England during the time before and after the Battle of Agincourt during the Hundred Years' War. In 1415, on the eve of the Battle of Agincourt, which fell on St. Crispin's Day, outnumbered by the French, Henry V gives a speech to his men, urging them to remember how the English had previously defeated the French. Here's a portion of the speech performed by Kenneth Branagh in his 1989 film Henry V. What's he that wishes so? My cousin Westmoreland. Oh, my fair cousin. If we are marked to die, we are enough to do our country lost. And if to live, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. As a way to boost British morale during World War II, Lawrence Olivier delivered the St. Crispin's Day speech on the radio. Winston Churchill found him so inspiring that he asked him to produce a movie of Henry V. Over the years, parts of the speech have appeared in movies and television shows like This Is England, Tombstone, Doctor Who, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The speech even served as an inspiration for the name of a child. On April 20, 1964, Crispin Hellion Glover was born in New York City the son of actress and dancer Marion Elizabeth Lillian Betty Cratchy and actor Bruce Glover, best known for his role as Mr. Wint in the James Bond film Diamonds Are Forever. How kind of you, Mr. Kid. Following in his parents' footsteps, Crispin started acting when he was 13 years old. In 1981, while still in high school, he had his first on-screen credit in a TV movie called The Best of Times. He graduated from Beverly Hills High School in 1982 and almost immediately got guest-starring roles on shows like The Facts of Life and Happy Days. You're laying it a little bit thick there, aren't you, Fonz? In 1984, he had two important roles. He appeared in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Would you care to dance? And he also appeared as a character named Doug, a friend of Michael J. Fox's Alex P. Keaton character on Family Ties. Uh, Alex? That's Colonel Keaton. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Colonel Keaton, I mean? What is it? Your mother's here. But his big breakout would come in 1985. Once again, alongside Michael J. Fox, Fox would have the lead role as Marty McFly, and despite being three years younger than Fox, 
Crispin Glover was cast as Marty's father, George McFly, in the blockbuster Back to the Future. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Back to the Future was released on July 3rd, 1985. It was huge, grossing over $381 million worldwide. It was the highest grossing film of 1985. It was nominated for three Oscars, winning one of them, and it even gave Huey Lewis and the News their first number one hit with The Power of Love. That's the power of love. The following year, Glover would be the top-billed actor in the film River's Edge. Though it was a bit of a polarizing movie, it was well-reviewed, even winning Best Picture at the Independent Spirit Awards in 1986. But then, right as Glover's career was really gaining momentum, he took some time away from acting and wouldn't appear in another film until 1989. During his time away from acting, Glover would spend time on other creative projects, Glover spoke about this to Vogue.com in 2016. And now to read that quote as Crispin Glover, here's Super Ego's Matt Gorley. I had always done drawings since I was a child. I was at an acting class called The Loft Studio when I was 19, and it was on La Brea, down the street from it was an art gallery that upstairs had a bookstore, and there was a small subsection in the bookstore of handmade artists' books, and one person had taken an old book from the 1800s, and they had put their artwork in it. And I thought that was a good idea. So I went and found an old book from the 1800s called The Billow and the Rock in a used bookstore on Melrose. And I set out to do what I'd seen, which was just put my own artwork in it and do things with India ink. I always had liked words and art, and so I left a few words on one of the pages in there. I thought it looked nice, and then I put some other artwork in, and then I did it on another page, again with some more words. I put more artwork in, and when I was reviewing it, I realized there was a new story that had started to happen. I liked it, so I just kind of went with this new story, and that started forming. I was very pleased with the book, and I kept making more of them. Two of the books he published during his acting hiatus, Rat Catching and Oakmot, would also be a big part of another creative project, an album. In 1989, The Big Problem Does Not Equal the Solution, The Solution Equals Let It Be by Crispin Hellion Glover was released on Restless Records. Hey you, get your damn hands off. After a brief 36-second overture to open the album, we get selected readings from Rat Catching. Glover had published Rat Catching in 1988. It was reworked from an 1896 public domain book called Studies in the Art of Rat Catching. Glover felt that without his illustrations, the words wouldn't make a ton of sense on their own. In the early 90s, he started doing live performances of what he called Crispin Hellion Glover's Big Slideshow, which combined readings from eight of his books along with slides of his illustrations. About a decade later, pages from Rat Catching would even appear in the opening credits of the remake of the film Willard that Glover starred in. Glover would also provide the music for selected readings from Rat Catching. 
Studies in Rat Catching for the Use of Schools. Chapter 1. In the following elementary treaties for the use of public schools, I propose following exactly the same plan as my parson. A good fellow, not afraid of a ferret or a rat, does with his sermons. That is, divide it into different heads, then jumble up all the heads with the body till it becomes as difficult to follow as a rat's hole in the soft bank. And to begin with, I'm going to talk. The back of the album says it was produced and recorded in Lumania by Barnes & Barnes. Lumania is a fictional mythological civilization where Barnes & Barnes claim to be from. But in reality, they're from Los Angeles. Barnes & Barnes are a comedy band claiming to be twin brothers Art and Artie Barnes. In reality, they're childhood friends, Bill Moomy and Robert Hamer. Moomy was first known for playing Will Robinson in the 1960s series Lost in Space. Danger, Will Robinson! Danger! No, Will Robinson! After Moomy's time on Lost in Space, he and Hamer were making Super 8 films, which is when they jokingly began referring to each other as Art. They would form Barnes and Barnes in 1970. Here's Bill Moomy talking to METVLegends.org. Started it when we were 16, and it was never really meant to be shared. But over the years, we wrote and recorded live a lot of goofy little songs. And Robert was a huge fan of the Dr. Demento radio show, which at that point in time was global, was a big syndicated deal. So he was like, I'm going to send in a couple of these Barnes and Barnes songs. Let's pick a couple and do them right. So we cut a few. Uh, Fish Heads was one of them. We sent it in to Dr. Demento. And honestly, you know, it is the most popular song in the history of his radio show. Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Barnes & Barnes would also supply most of the music for this record to go along with Glover's words, which is the case with the clean new song. When I came back home, everyone had left messages on my machine. I felt very clean. I felt very Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of two tracks that Glover wrote the music for would be Auto Manipulator that he wrote alongside with Charles Henry Frieder. I'm an auto manipulator, play with myself, I'm a master bear, I squirt on by the corner hall and walk into the grocery store. These slick pages of their magazine are accompanied by their vast elite. 
lubrication is for masturbation. It's high time for a celebration. Two years before the release of the album, Glover made an infamous appearance on Late Night with David Letterman. He came out wearing huge platform shoes and a wig, acting very strange, nervous, and uncomfortable. Did you, for a time you lived in Hollywood, you lived on Hollywood Boulevard? In Hollywood Boulevard. On Hollywood Boulevard? No. At, a, at an apartment overlooking Hollywood Boulevard? At a, a big high building you lived in? Big tower on Hollywood? No. No. <laughs> All right. Then we'll just, we'll just drop that and go on to something else, all right? What was unknown to anyone, including Letterman, is that Glover was in character as Reuben Farr, a character from the film Reuben and Ed. Reuben and Ed hadn't even been shot yet. The movie would be released in 1991. This appearance was in 1987. It all got even more uncomfortable when Letterman abruptly ended the segment after nearly being kicked in the head. I don't have these. You seem to be distraught. They don't. Uh, you seem to be distraught. People try to make me sound a lot weird, and yeah. I'm just, I'm strong, you know? I'm strong. I can arm wrestle. I, uh, do you want to arm wrestle? No. I've been taking, you know, I take the bar. These aren't mine. I can, I can, I can kick. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm going to go check on the top ten. No, I'm sorry. I bring this up because Glover not only mentions Mr. Farr in the song Clowny Clown Clown, but Reuben Farr also appears in the song's music video. I was walking on the ground, I didn't make a sound, then I turned around and I saw a clown, had a frown, stood on a mound, started barking like a hound. To it, I found he showed me something that was brown. So we became great friends, and late in life, he got sick. Glover would actually make a return appearance to Letterman's show in 1990. This time, as himself, even promoting the album. This is a re- this is a record that I made. Uh, I- I've written all the words and uh, lyrics. It's, yeah. It was produced by Barnes and Barnes, and mm-hmm. and uh, there's a big problem uh, uh, that that's a kind of a puzzle, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. there are things that you have to figure out. Mm-hmm. All all there there's a string that ties everything together, right? And 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 there's this theme, and you have to figure out right. what it is that ties it all together. There's a phone number on the back that right. people have to call up when they figure out. And a prize? There's a prize for? Well, it? I'll call them if they get it right. I see. Yes. And have people gotten it right? Yeah, ten people <clears> have gotten it correct. So you have sold some records then? Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, it's true. The album's back cover reads, All words and music point to the big problem. The solution lay within the title, Let It Be. Crispin Hellion Glover wants to know what you think these nine things have in common. And that's referring to the songs and the images on the back cover. And the back cover also lists a phone number, which, of course, today is no longer in service. Cheer nervousness balances the door shut back and forth in the hut. Where is my And the voice on the machine for the telephone. The album also features a few covers, including Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walkin', a song that was a number one hit in seven countries for her back in 1966. 
There's also a cover of a song written by Charles Manson. Manson had recorded an album's worth of music between 1967 and 1968. When the Manson family committed several murders and were apprehended in 1969, Manson told producer Phil Kaufman, please put out my music. Kaufman released the album of Manson's music in 1970. I'll Never Say Never to Always was on the album, and here, Glover slightly alters the title to just Never Say Never to Always. The album closes with several selected readings from Oakmont. Again, these are selections from one of Glover's books set to music. The album lists three separate readings from Oakmont, but there are three more that are unlisted at the end of the record. The first of the unlisted tracks even features Weird Al Yankovic on accordion. I got to speak with Weird Al about how this came to be. All I remember, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with uh, Barnes and Barnes, Bill Moomy and Robert Hamer. You know, from the Dr. Demento show. Oh, yeah. So, but we, we did it at Bill's house, and he had me over. And uh, I remember, I, I have a vague memory of him reading from this book, which was like an old, like a hundred-year-old book that he found somewhere. Yes. Where he had, like, crossed out words and written in his own words. And it was all very, very odd. And I don't remember a whole lot about the session. I brought my accordion, obviously, and I, I played, and... uh how I'd hate it if it was I, but it isn't I. It's they, they themselves don't suffer half what we think. Just so about dying. The album didn't sell well, but it did get reissued on CD in 2006. And it's also currently available to stream on Spotify and other streaming services. Wikipedia describes the album's genre as outsider music, which is a term that they define as usually applied to musicians from outside the music establishment who exhibit childlike qualities and especially those who suffer from intellectual disabilities or mental illnesses. And Barnes and Barnes weren't strangers to producing outsider music. In 1981, they produced an album for a man who spent most of his life homeless or institutionalized, and he was later regarded as the godfather of outsider music, Wild Man Fisher. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at BizarreAlbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.